strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Maybe. Just maybe. We are closing in on the moment where the only face masks we're talking about, Ron Wolfley, are on football helmets, and football helmets only, as we do our part weekly, one big red rage at a time. You would have wore a single bar face mask, Paul. Uh, I'd take any face mask they give me. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. You're absolutely right on that one. You know, if they're, if they're issuing me. advisement, Paul. If they issue me, you know what? Hey, I would go Waterboy. I would go Adam Sandler, and I would just go Dick Butkus with a single bar face mask and just start jack stomping people. You're absolutely right. But I know you were going somewhere with that, Polly. Where exactly well, were you going? I'm just saying, we're doing our part, one big red rage at a time. I see. And, and if we're here on a Wednesday for the second straight week, that can only mean one thing, Wolf, and it's a good thing. The Suns are winning. Yes, Polly. Yes. Staying alive, indeed. Round one of the playoffs for the Phoenix Suns. 3-2, Ron Wolfley reporting. And a lot of Arizona Cardinals, uh, I'm not sure if you would call it jumping the bandwagon, but uh, guess what? They're conspicuous by their attendance. There they were in attendance. <laughs> not just Larry Fitzgerald, the minority <laughs> owner, but J.J. Watt, who we'll hear from shortly. Kyler Murray in attendance. Cliff Kingsbury talking about it. So... Boom, there we go. And you know what? There were the Arizona Cardinals today, once again, doing their part, giving us something to talk about actually on the field. And if we're talking about making progress, Wolf, from 2020 to 2021 and, and you know, getting beyond the pandemic, well, guess what? We've already, we're already ahead of the game because they were on the field. There's actually an OTA to talk about from today. Boy, how about that, Paulie? That is some good news right there. Ten OTAs, of course, cut down to three OTAs negotiated, it seems, on a team-by-team basis. It seems like that was negotiated right there between the Arizona Cardinals and the coaching staff. Speaking of the coaching staff, by the way, I shouldn't bury the lead. Bill Davis, linebackers coach, will join us momentarily. Linebackers coach Bill Davis, longtime defensive coordinator in the NFL. Do you think we have questions when it comes to Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons at the epicenter of the Arizona Cardinals defense? I've got a few, Paulie. How about you? Uh, I have big picture questions. I have small picture questions. You, you, Wolf, you better With move it along. You better run the no huddle, ball. Wolf, because I got a lot of questions. You uh, better run the no huddle absolutely, here Absolutely, That's what we're going to do right there. Billy Davis cannot wait to talk to Bill Davis. All right, so takeaways from the OTA today. I was out there. I can just tell you this much. Uh, J.J. Watt, as advertised, dude has a lot of kilowatts 
if you will, the energy. I mean, he even volunteered at one point. You might have seen the video where he jumped out to be a scout team flex tight end. He's like, you know what? That garbage can out there isn't cutting it. I'm going to do what I used to do back in college. I'm going to do what I did in 2014, play a little tight end when I had three touchdown receptions for the Houston Texans. And then afterwards, I'm going to describe it for the media. Here's J.J. Watt. Just learning new routines and getting used to new meeting rooms and new parking lot and new uh, practice field. I mean, being at the same place for 10 years, you have you kind of your routine set and you know how things go and you, you kind of have uh, a way of doing things. And so for, for me, you know, I'm following Zach Allen around and saying, all right, wh- where do we go next and how the hell do I get to the meeting room? And so uh, this morning I actually driving in to turn into the parking lot there's like you can turn in and it's our parking lot and then you turn into the next one and it's like soccer fields and I turned into the soccer fields today so <laughs> like anyone wolf anyone their first day at the office they're kind of floundering around and trying to figure it out he's out in the auxiliary parking lot when he needs to be in the players parking lot you know he's figuring it out paulie the best analogy i think you could possibly bring to bear in regard to jj watt and what he's experiencing right now is move to a new country paul learn a new language do, do all that, Paulie, in one year. Go ahead, move to a new country, Paul, and learn a new culture, n- learn a new language, and you're going to find out exactly how J.J. Watt feels right now because it's very, very difficult. You're going through a a entire different scheme. You're going through an entire process, an entire day of doing things differently and then trying to learn it through the prism of that language. It is very difficult. I couldn't even handle a week in London a few years ago, and, and, <laughs> and they speak English. I mean, come on, you know. So. Today, mate. No, that's that's not in England, is it, Paul? That's Australia right there, but I get your point. Yeah, and, and don't confuse Australia with uh, Bernhard Sykovitz either. It's Austria, okay? So just <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Paul. Remember that as well. I can't wait to see Sykovitz. Yeah. I, the, the very first practice, that's who I want to watch. I'm going to follow Sykovitz, Paul. Wolf, you got to follow me on Twitter because I'm sending out video clips that are going international. Paul, NFL I Films saw is going to be Twitter calling next week. Yawn, frankly. Right. Uh, well, we only get to watch the first 20 minutes, so uh, you know you, you, you got to be realistic, okay, <laughs> and reasonable in your expectations. Put it that way. But it was amazing to see. J.J. Watt out there for the first time in 99. And then speaking of numbers, there's Malcolm Butler in 21. Don't call him Patrick Peterson. It's Malcolm Butler. Buda Baker rocking the three. Byron Murphy in the seven. Chase Edmonds, deuce in the number two. Wow. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons wearing number nine. And then, Wolf, you had Robert Alford out there, which I tell you what, uh, at least in the first 20 minutes, he oh, went no. through everything. So, uh, hey, if you're telling me that Robert Alford is actually healthy, because we know, at least in the past, he's been able to play at a high level when healthy, then look out. That's obviously a big key. Paulie, do not get me started on Robert Alford, right? Because <laughs> okay. you know exactly how yeah. I feel about Robert Alford. But to me, all the single digits that were out there on the practice field, that had to be really odd to see Buda Baker running around in the number three, Paul. That had to be weird to see Chase Edmonds wearing number two. Had to be a little bit weird to see Isaiah Simmons in number nine. And we're not going to see number eight, Paulie. That, of course, retired thanks to Larry Wilson. Yes. Uh, By the way, number six is James Conner. And so when you were watching the offense, you saw the new backfield. Uh, and then, of course, Chase Edmonds putting the two in the one-two punch uh, Cliff Kingsbury was talking about. 
You know, James brings a tough physical downhill um, running attack that he's been a proven, uh, you know, tough yard runner in this league since he, he got into it. And the, the thing I, I like most about him and Chase is their approach to the game. They're as serious as you can be out on that field. Uh, ultra competitors, and, and they're going to push each other and give us a, a real one-two punch that I think is going to really help us. Yeah, Polly, I love that. I really do. I cannot wait to see if, in fact, this offense is tweaked just a little bit. If we're seeing more of the the older offenses, more traditional offenses, when you hear Cliff Kingsbury saying he's more of a downhill runner, Polly, that means you're running more of a of a stretch scheme. You're running more of a traditional quarterback under center scheme. You're running more power schemes. You're running. I I. What does that mean? A downhill runner? Because it doesn't mean put him in the shotgun and here comes the zone read for the most part. It's more put him behind the cue and here we go downhill attacking the line of scrimmage. Is that going to happen? Is that what we're going to see? That is my question. I tell you what, when you see the left side of the O-line from DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, and then Rodney Hudson at center, you like the looks of that. And when there are tough yards and short yardage situations, you got to figure they're going straight ahead behind the left side of the line. Uh, Chase Edmonds talking about how in his fourth year he's helping the young guys, but also with a lot of experience, a lot of Pro Bowls from offseason veterans who are signed, he's learning from them as well. Anything I can learn from James and kind of just pick each other's minds, I'm sure it'll happen as we as our relationship grows as friends and as teammates. So uh, I'm super excited for that, though, man. And I'm super excited just to learn from all the newer vet guys that we have here, like J.J. Watt, obviously, Rodney Hudson. I'm trying to pick his mind on just how he sees certain fronts, how he sees certain pressure looks. I want to just become the best football player that I can be and the best teammate I can be. Wolf. Ideally, do you think Cliff Kingsbury wants to settle on a primary running back who gets the bulk of the carries? Do you think Sean Coogler wants one guy to win that job? Or do you see it being a balanced distribution of carries all season? Yes, Paulie, I see it being a balanced distribution. I really do. I think that's going to be the – and that's what fascinates me, Paul. When I hear Cliff Kingsbury say he's more of a downhill runner, well, are you going to have are you going to have schemes that, that include a runner that is a downhill brother? Are you going to have that? Or – or is it going to be more, once again, a shotgun and a lot of zone reads and RPOs? I think it's going to be a combination of the two, Paul. And I think you might have tendencies. Every team has tendencies. Every offense has tendencies. And NFL defense, Paulie, all they try to do is break down offenses and their tendencies, right? Down in distance, personnel groups. What plays do they like out of what formations? They try to break it down in a big-time way, and they do a great job of it. You have tendencies. And yes, halfway through the season, you're going to change those tendencies offensively. But to me... You're probably going to have tendencies when James Conner is your running back. And you're probably going to have tendencies when Chase Edmonds is your running back. Now, again, you're going to run the same offense, and it's not going to be an all-the-time thing. There are never absolutes. But you're going to have those tendencies when you have two different backs that are actually going to be playing. Hey, just because they know what's coming doesn't mean they can stop it. Exactly right, Paulie. That is the whole idea of being better than somebody. Go back to 22 and 23 double, right? Yes. Yes. Here it comes again and again. Try and stop it. And we're going to run it until you do. Hey, a reminder, single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's game T-I-X. Bill Davis, linebackers coach, is next. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
With the 16th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Zayvon Collins, linebacker, Tulsa. We really liked him, our coaching staff, our scouting staff, everybody uh, as a whole uh, had him as one of our higher rated defensive players in the entire draft. He also had an alpha tag, which for us, uh, the Alphaberg tag is, is given to players that have rare leadership qualities, uh, great instincts, great feel for the game, are tremendous locker room guys, uh, and Zayvon Collins is certainly one of them. you got to elevate all your game coming in as a rookie to play in, at this level. You know, no matter where you're at, uh, you got to elevate every single part of your game because those guys who have been here for four or five years, they know way more than you and they're way better than you. Uh, they have efficient movement. Um, they have efficient minds. You can see it whenever you watch them. There we go. Zayvon Collins, the first-round rookie, preceded by the GM, Steve Keim, who also shared with the media, Wolf, that about a half dozen prospects in the entire draft had that alpha bird tag. Mm. Zayvon Collins was one of those guys. And it's all about you, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. It is the Big Red Rage. We told you we're loaded like a Ron Wolfley dinner plate around here. We welcome on board the linebackers coach, Bill Davis. Always a pleasure to talk with Billy. And, Coach, you tell us, this time a year ago, you couldn't get anywhere near the gridiron, and you're coming off an actual practice, right, an OTA on the field with pretty much the entire team. So uh, that's got to be a step in the right direction, huh? Absolutely, guys. We couldn't have been happier to be out on the field today. Feels like a million years since we had a normal uh, off season. Not that this one's normal quite yet, uh, but we're moving in the right direction. And it's just, it makes such a difference to have those great athletes out there going through the assignments and stepping through them and physically uh, doing the things that we're asking them to do during the season. And it was a shame last year that a, a young talent like Isaiah Simmons couldn't couldn't get. Uh, the reps and, and do all that and, and the growth that happens. A lot of people don't really understand the growth that happens in the offseason with younger players. No doubt about it, Coach. Oh, my goodness, man. It's so good to talk to you. You had to be out there looking at Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. And, Coach, you had to be drooling. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> These guys look Absolutely. pretty good, right? How could you not? <laughs> well, I, I can't honestly. You know, my first takeaway, and this was rookie minicamp, because Zayvon Collins came over near the sideline where us media pencil necks were standing. I'm like, this guy's a middle linebacker. He's six <laughs> five, two sixty. Is that does that present a challenge in any way, Billy? Well, you know, it's it kind of takes me back. Well, if you remember the days where the backers were all built like that, oh, they were yeah. all up there in because you had to take on guards and there was more odd fronts and. And it was just a different time and a different offense that was coming your way. So it kind of just takes me back to early stages of my own career, you know, working with guys like LeVon Kirkland and those bigger guys that could run it. They had to be big because of, you know, the, the downhill run game, the two-back run game that was coming at you. So when I actually went to Tulsa to Zavin's Pro Day, um, the first thing that jumped out at me was the weigh-in and the measuring. And I said, oh, my goodness, this is a big boy. His, his head's big. His hands are big. His wrists are big. Um, and I was really anxious to see him move to see how he carried that size. So and pleasantly surprised how easily he carried the 260, 65 pounds. And, and I think that, that, that went a long way in, in us, um, it, the evaluation of saying, oh, yeah, he is big and the weight is up there. 
but boy, it just it looks right, and he carries it well, and, and that makes a big difference when, when you weigh that much. So, Billy, how involved was this practice, this OTA practice? How involved did you guys get? Were there any checks for Zabin out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, we were very limited in what we can do. So what we do defensively is we set up a bunch of different barrels of 11 offensive players. There's three different stations, and we have the guys. We make a call, and they line up to a – uh, an offensive structure or formation, and they have to make all their calls. So as they run from one to another to another, we give them different calls and a different formation. So it's a way that we kind of get um, multiple calls against multiple formational structures. And uh, within that, each call has some moving parts to it. And so far in the two weeks that I've had them, two and a half weeks, we put nine installs. And within each install, there's about 10 to 15 calls defensive calls that you have to learn and we've got through 10 of them now and he is he's really got a great aptitude for picking up and understanding and digesting um, the scheme so far we're on board bill davis linebackers coach arizona cardinals the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert so simply put billy what's the risk reward in giving a rookie the green dot to call the defense from day one well no matter how smart you are, no matter how um, football intelligent you are, a rookie year is a rookie year. And there's going to be growth that has to happen, and the growth comes through error and mistake mm-hmm. and correction. And sometimes the best lesson a young guy can learn is the mistake. Like Isaiah in the first game against San Fran, getting out of leverage in the coverage of the running back out of the backfield that went for 80 yards. It's a lesson that he didn't he didn't blow that particular assignment again the whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things happen. You realize they're going to happen when they start as as rookies. Uh, it, it happens to all positions. I don't care if you're the quarterback. I don't care if you're a receiver, a DB. I don't care if you're the first overall pick or a third round pick. You you play your rookie year. You're going to have to grow through some mistakes. And and again, that happens because our game is different than the college game. Uh, the amount of um, defensive information that you have to process and in the Mike linebacker position, the, the true art of playing the Mike backer is the quarterback of our defense is the ability to communicate to all 10 other defensive players, their responsibility, meaning we have to set the front and that's how people get aligned. And then we have to make uh, secondary calls of where pressure is coming or uh, where a uh, stunt might happen. And w- within that, you've got to be able to line everybody up, communicate to what we're seeing in the offensive structure formation. And then when they motion, we have to make the appropriate adjustment to the motion. And, oh, yeah, by the way, after that, you have to do your own job at a high level. Most guys can do their own job at a high level. It's only a few can line everybody else up and do their job effectively. Billy, how is Isaiah Simmons processing this defense? And do you envision him being help for Zaven? Absolutely. Isaiah's got a great football mind. One of the things, and I've never had a chance to talk about it uh, very often, but Isaiah last year, we trained Isaiah in six different defensive positions. We had the Mike linebacker, the Mo linebacker, and the Sam linebacker were three of the linebacker spots he had to learn. And in college, he never really played the Mike or the Mo, the inside spot. He was always more of the edge player. Then we trained him as the nickel, the strong safety, and the free safety. And without 
an off-season or a preseason game. So he had six positions to learn. Zavin has one. Zavin's learning the Mike mm-hmm. linebacker spot. And through all that, Isaiah, as the season went on, and he, and he got more and more comfortable with those different positions and all the different hats we had him wearing, all of a sudden his mind slowed down and that body activated and you saw him make some plays. And we're real excited about an offseason with Isaiah, some preseason games, and watching the growth that's going to happen there because he's got a really high football IQ. And he's very – one of the things you find and in, in, in the more you coach and the more you're around the game, not everyone can go out there and have a relaxed mind but play fast. And Isaiah's got that ability. And when he comes to the sideline and he tells me it happened a certain way, Isaiah's usually right. He he calmly saw it, he recognized it, and he could give it back to me. There's some guys come to the sideline and say, hey, coach, uh, the left guard pulled and the, uh, the tight end slashed across the backfield. I, no, it didn't. And you look at the picture and say, no, son, it didn't even come close to happening. Right. What were you looking at? Well, Isaiah's the guy that when he says it, it, it is what he said it was. And that's, that's a good sign of him, of his mind being calm and, and being able to function at a high level. Bill Davis, Cardinals linebackers coach here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. A year ago, Isaiah Simmons had Devondre Campbell in front of him. So I don't know if this is classified info or not, but is he tracking to play six different positions this year, or do you see him sticking at that inside backer spot? Well, the, the home base will now be the inside backer Mo dime spot. But we will still, because we, we it, he's a Swiss Army knife, that it is very, very frustrating for an offense to see Isaiah out there and not be able to identify his position. Is he the other safety? Is he the Sam backer? Is he the Mike? Is he a Mo? And and really, those identifications to an offense has a lot to do with their protections, has a lot to do with how their blocking scheme will unwind. So we find we get a pretty good advantage by moving him around a little bit as long as he can handle it. And he's proven, especially at the end of last season, that he absolutely can handle multiple positions. But the home base will be the inside uh, mower dime linebacker. Billy, is this the most talented linebacking core you've ever coached? Well, it's the youngest, and, and time will tell if it's the most talented. If you, if you talk about raw potential, yeah. Yes. Uh, but now, uh, as you know, well, we, they got to prove it in the NFL. Amen. And they got to do it over time. The, the, the true sign of greatness to me is – playing at a real high consistency of doing your job and making a play when it presents itself to you. And that's what Zayvon and Isaiah say all the time. I'm not looking for you guys to make the wild play. I need We have 75 snaps that 70 of them are exactly the way they're supposed to be. And we may have, you know, I've never coached a perfect game, so there's always a couple in there that, you know, they did something you hadn't seen or we did it wrong a little bit. But uh, they are very um, – High football IQ, locked in, instinctive inside backers, and uh, I can't wait to see how far we can grow them into, in, and watch them in the next couple of years. Look, history says you're going the preseason, you'll see mainly vanilla offenses and schemes. Do you ask Cliff Kingsbury to dial it up and get exotic in training camp to try and test those guys and their football IQ? Well, just by the nature of our offense, with him just running his stuff, he tests us. Because he's got the four wide receiver sets, the three wide, the the twelve, the two tight end packages, and then you have Kyler back there doing the quarterback run game, and so all of just facing offense, he doesn't have to dial anything up. He he does it just by calling his installs, and, and we've got a 
meet the challenge of trying to stop our own offense. Billy, where do you think this defense will improve the most from last season? I mean, just a gut feeling, a speculation on your part, yes, but a gut feeling, where do you think it's going to improve the most? Well, we, we really felt good about the improvements we made last year. We really jumped up in the rankings. And, 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 you know, we say it all the time, it's a scoreboard in the end zone, so points allowed per game are what we really have to focus on. Our sacks were high. Our turnovers, I think, are going to increase. One of the things you get when you get the two six four inside backers is, and who can move and run now, as a quarterback, when you try to high the lowest and you've got a, a short little uh, stop route in, a, in, a, in an in behind it, trying to throw over those two inside, you, mm-hmm. you're going to elevate your pass a little bit. The safeties are going to get more balls, I believe. I think there will be more tips and overthrows. And tips and overthrows in the NFL turn into interceptions. <laughs> so if I had to pick one area that, w- that we're probably going to make some, and then you have J.J. in there who's – batting balls left and right, and he's, he's a, he wrecks havoc in there, and along with Chandler coming off the edge. I just think the quarterbacks are going to be under more duress, and they're going to have to adjust how they throw, which we get tips and overthrows, and I think our turnovers and interceptions should go go up there, and, and, and hopefully the points allowed come down. Great. It was hard not to notice J.J. Watt today, just his energy, right? He even ran scout team tight end for you guys a little bit, and, and we know how Steve Kime has spoken of the leadership aspect of bringing him into the locker room. Do you believe in that? Because a lot of analytics guys say, ah, they dismiss the locker room and the leadership. What do you say about that? I think it's crazy. I think uh, leadership has a monetary value just like a 40-yard dash does. And I think the chemistry on your team is makes all the difference in the world before, between going deep into a playoffs or not making the playoffs. There's got to be a chemistry, a love, uh, respect, the mutual respect of each other, and you need leaders on both sides of the ball. You, you, somebody has to be followers. So you don't need all leaders. You don't need a bunch of alphas that are going to lead. You need one or two really good ones, and the really good leaders are the ones that will do exactly what you just described. Hey, I'll jump over and wear a, a green hat and be a tight end, and I'm a, I'm a superstar mm-hmm. because I'm not above it because I want the team. I put the team first, and when he does it, now, it's so much easier for a young kid that's trying to make his way to say, hey, I'm not embarrassed by wearing this hat. Absolutely. I'm making us better. And that leadership is, is natural. You can't fake it. You either have it or you don't. And J.J. definitely has it, and it is a huge addition, um, and it really makes us better from a lot of other areas that aren't the you know the 40-yard dash and, and all the other things. It's, Boy, it's, it's absolutely valuable. Just listening to you talk right there, Billy, is bringing back a lot of memories right there because I had a coach that used to say, if you get enough dogs in a locker room, even the cats start barking. And, you know, <laughs> I, I love that saying because I to, love to that your, one. I'm going to use your, that if you don't mind. That's all right, Billy. Absolutely. To your point, sometimes you need followers there's no doubt about it not everybody is going to walk around be a leader it just doesn't work that way well we're about 100 days away from the cardinals opener in tennessee zavin collins isaiah simmons meet derrick henry at 63250. so that's when you know it counts for real billy thank you for your time and the insight tonight we really enjoyed it as always i appreciate you guys having me always my pleasure thank you coach there you go Bill Davis, a longtime defensive coordinator in the NFL, Cardinals linebackers coach. And, uh, yeah, it's his task to get those guys ready to go by September. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
Shotgun has the football. Short set, throws a deep ball. Left side, single coverage, and it is pulled in by DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got a touchdown. What a throw by Kyler Murray, and what a catch by Nuke to put the Cardinals on the board with 2.39 to go in the first. Nuke was one-on-one. Great throw by Kyler Murray, but an even better read. Touchdown. We said it's going to be Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. Whoever plays better, that's who's going to win this game. Snap to Murray, and he keeps it himself, running left. Got a defender with him at the five. Breaks a tackle, dives, ball comes out, but he crossed the plane. Touchdown. Kyler Murray somehow, someway, found a way to get that pig across Pater. Big time play, Kyler Murray. And you know what? The NFL agreed with their Wolf. He was the NFC Player of the Week. That was the Week 7 win at home against the Seahawks on Sunday night where the Cardinals trailed 10-0, 27-14, 34-24. They came back. They won in overtime. And on that 35-yard touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins where the cameras caught him smiling, we think he was smiling. That was the play. Remember, Cliff Kingsbury told us on his weekly TV show that they stole from Ohio State. Yeah. And and everyone yeah. sort of looked at the sideline and looked at Cliff like they were confused. And then, boom, they snapped in through the touchdown. Yeah, that was that was absolutely brilliant right there, Paulie. So many changes on the horizon, I think, for this offense. I could be dead wrong, but I think at some point in time, you've got to reimagine, re-envision this offense. And it gets me so excited with Kyler Murray at the helm. You know, there's a few stats that came out this week. They continue to crunch the numbers. Kyler Murray, he's the only quarterback ever with 45 passing touchdowns and 15 rushing touchdowns in his first two NFL seasons. He was knocked down a league low 8.5% of the time on passing attempts last year. Next-gen stats had him rated the most explosive ball carrier in the NFL. The most explosive, meaning... A minimum number of carries, at least 20 carries of 10-plus yards, and you have to exceed 15-plus miles per hour. And so he was number (laughs) one in that category. I'm not sure what miles per hour really factors in ultimately, but Wolf, how much of that running game and Kyler's legs do you expect to see this year? Yeah, that is a great question. Once again, Paul, it really is because if you look at Kyler Murray, I don't see them continuing to run him to the point in which we saw last year, and I think we know why. Kyler is is not the biggest guy on the face of the planet, and the more you expose him to some type of shot, the more damage is going to be done to the body, and now all of a sudden, if you've got Kyler Murray out there and he's missing games, your chances of winning games go right through the floor, Paul, for the most part. So, again, you've got to be careful on this. You don't want to turn him into Michael Vick. And remember, the word when Kyler was coming out was he didn't necessarily enjoy the design runs, the called runs. He, he liked to sort of pick his spots, right, when he, when he saw a light box or he saw DBs with their backs to him, and then he'd pull it and run it. And so curious if maybe to your point there's fewer design runs but he still has the green light to take off when he wants to and Cliff Kingsbury today was asked about Kyler Murray's potential because we talked about it even back in the playoffs when we saw Baker Mayfield excel and and Josh Allen excel in year three what about Kyler I know he's been working uh, really hard 
uh, this offseason to try and take that that big jump. I thought, you know, not having an offseason last year, rolling into season two, he, he made huge strides, and, and we expect him to make uh, the same this season. He definitely is very confident right now. Uh, he's mastered our system. Um, you can see, you know, the leadership qualities continue to emerge, and, and so we're all just really excited to, to have him here and, and watch where this thing can go with him as our leader. And he was out there today. I know SI had written a little bit about, you know what, oh, they're hearing that Kyler hasn't been in the Cardinals offseason program. That was 24 hours ago. Well, he was out there today. And there was DeAndre Hopkins practicing as well. The two of them were running together in warm-ups, and then there were a ton of passes, you know, between the two of them over the course of an hour. And so, you know, he's wearing a knit cap. It's 100-plus degrees. He's wearing a knit cap out there. But, uh, you know, all eyes were on Kyler, and that's the way it's going to be all year. And he's the franchise quarterback. He's got to relish that position, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, there's no doubt about it, Paulie. Um, DeAndre Hopkins as well. It's going to be very interesting. My number one question for the this offense with Kyler Murray is will it be more physical? Will we see a downhill runner in James Conner, so to speak, and Chase Edmonds for that matter? Will we see a more physical attack and assault on the line of scrimmage when it comes to running the football? That's number one, Paulie. Number two for me is going to be DeAndre Hopkins mm. and the alignment of DeAndre Hopkins and the movement of DeAndre Hopkins and the movement of this offense overall. Only 34% of their offensive snaps last year had any type of motion to it, Paulie. Only 34%, which was 16 percentage points under the league average. Wow. Think about that, Paulie. That is a big number right there. That Only 34% of their offensive snaps had any motion to it whatsoever. I... I I think maybe this is going to be another change to this offense going forward. I don't know that to be the case. I would just suspect it, Paul. You know, when you cite that stat, you know what I think of immediately? What? Rondell Moore. Yes. I I think of the round two pick and and what they want to do because – Come on now, when Cliff Kingsbury arrived with the Arizona Cardinals, do you ever think they'd be below the league norm, the league average in that category? Absolutely not. So if A.J. Green can be that outside guy, and Frosty Rucker told us here on the Big Red Rage, that's his pick for NFL Comeback Player of the Year. We'll see. That's obviously a best-case scenario. Rondell Moore in the slot along with a Christian Kirk, or maybe Rondell Moore is that swing guy, that jet motion guy, doing the sweeps and being the eye candy and, and all that. Like you say, Wolf, all of a sudden, okay, maybe that unlocks DeAndre Hopkins, especially more than last year when he was getting double and triple teamed by the end of the season. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on that. I do think, you know, it took – the first half of the season to really kind of get on the same page, just not having time on task. And I think even out there today, watching them communicate, talk through things, I, I want to run like this. Hey, I can get them here. I think it'll be huge. There, there's, there'll be a different comfort level with those guys, and I'm excited to see where it can go. No we doubt talk, about it, Paul. We talked about this. You can agree or disagree. Really, the only guys yards after catch a year ago on the Cardinals offense, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds. Yeah. that has to be a bigger component of this year's offense. Hence, once again, Christian Kirk, if he's fully healthy, and a Rondale Moore. Yeah, Paulie, you know what? Honestly, Christian Kirk is a guy, you know what a big fan I am of Christian Kirk. And and I just, I wonder what happened that first half of of the season last year. Go back to it. Paulie, I think Christian Kirk had like six touchdowns in the first half of the season. First nine games of the season, he he was all over the place. And then all of a sudden, it just tailed right off in the second part of the season. And, 
you know, listen, um, I have no idea. David Rye was let go as the wide receiver coach. I don't know if that had anything to do with it whatsoever, but Christian Kirk is a talented individual and a guy that I have not given up on at all right now. But Rondell Moore, you bring up the Rondell Moore thing, Paul. This is scary is on the wall. Scary is on his way. That's Rondell Moore. That is exactly who he is. And hopefully he's going to be able to get vertical, get down the field. Maybe you're going to move him around. Give him that running start, so to speak. Maybe you're going to move him around and not let a defense actually hone in on him or try to jam him off the ball. And maybe he's going to get over the top. That, that will be a huge benefit to Kyler Murray as well. And what's interesting in the division is not long after the Cardinals took Rondell Moore, Seattle Seahawks took Dwayne Eskridge, a similar size type player out of Western Michigan. And then a couple of picks after that, the Rams took 2-2 Atwell. So every one of the division teams, save one, the 49ers, took their smaller speed guy who can excel in space. They all did it in round two. And then all three of them left the 6'2", 210 receiver from LSU, Terrace Marshall, who was top five all-time in receiving touchdowns at LSU. He was still on the board, and Carolina took him, not unlike the whole Andy Isabella, DK Metcalf component from a couple of years ago. So yes. that's going to be a storyline all year. Oh, man, speaking of that, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Are you kidding me? Mm. They already got a ton of speed at the wide receiver position. Better hope they don't land Julio Jones. <laughs> we'll come Run. back. Uh, you know what? I've got an addition maybe on the radar for the Cardinals next. for the touchdown. Ball is free, knocked around, and it's controlled by Watt. Picked up, running with it to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He's gone. Touchdown. What can he do? Look out from behind. Here comes Watt, and second time he has gotten to the quarterback. Stafford back to pass, looks, hooks it out left side, intercepted by J.J. Watt, and he's going to take it in for a touchdown. The man had three receiving touchdowns in 2014 for the Houston Texans, and there he was today at the Cardinals' first OTA out on that field, and he's running scout team tight end, as we mentioned, and he's messing with Byron Murphy, who was covering him, and he's yelling at him, you don't want any of this smoke, and he's trying to do an arm-over move. And Wolf, in fact, with legalized sports gambling coming by the NFL opener September 9th, coming to the AZ, I have a prop bet for you. Are you ready? Okay, Paulie. J.J. Watt will or will not catch a pass for the Arizona Cardinals this year. Oh, he will. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Really? Oh, Polly, I, I fully expect uh, Cliff Kingsbury to use J.J. Watt as a tight end. And not only – J.J. Watt, this guy is a physical, physical specimen. This is a physical dog. He enjoys the physicality of the game. Why not line him up as a stud tight end in line and let him come off the ball? Oh, yeah. Only thing- only thing was today, he was running the nine route. He was running the go route. You, well, I, I, he's he's going to have to run a stop route and just get himself <laughs> his big body between the DB and the football. That's what he's going to have to do. I can't wait Come to watch now. him play, Paulie. Seriously. Was he vocal, Paul? You were out there, oh, of yeah. course, today. Yeah. Was he vocal? Was he actually talking? He, you know, he's leading with energy. He's talking to different guys. Remember Buddha told us a couple weeks ago here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert that J.J. Watt came up and consulted him. You know, which guy should I talk to? What is this guy like? What is his personality like? And and J.J. Watt explained why that's important to him to know that as one of the team leaders today. 
One of the biggest things is understanding who you're dealing with because every single person is different. So it's all about cultivating those relationships and really learning your teammates on a deeper level so that when you do get in those tough times or when you do have to have a tough conversation, you understand how that guy best responds. So while one guy may respond to me yelling at him and getting on him and saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. I need you to do it like this. Another guy may go into his shell when I do that. So for that guy, I may need to go put my arm around him and say, hey, I know you're, I know you're having a tough time with this. Let me explain why that's not how it should be done and why we need to do it this way. And then the most important part, in my opinion, is to be doing everything that you possibly can to help the team from your own standpoint. Wow, that is just so good right there, Paula. You've got you've to hold yourself accountable first, right? you got to hold yourself to a level that you don't expect from your teammates, Paul. You do that and you will earn instant credibility inside that locker room so that you can walk up on a teammate and say, dude, what are you doing? You're just killing us out there. And, and if you can't play, you can't lead. You know that, Wolf. That's so, right, Paulie. You know, and, and look, um, you talk about J.J. Watt and the impact, and, and you know better than anyone, the NFL's not a rah-rah league. I get it. But if J.J. Watt's around, um, I don't think the Cardinals come out the way they did last year in Week 16. I don't think yeah. the way they play the way they did maybe in Week 17. I, I just – I think – that's what the decision makers think, and that's why they truly value J.J. Watt on and off the field and what sort of impact he can make this year. Here's Cliff Kingsbury today. Just talked about talking about his mentality as a player and a leader. He's been great. Um, everything that, that you've seen and I've seen probably through the media and different outlets uh, throughout his career, what you see is what you get. I mean, he, he's locked in all the time. He's a team guy incredible work ethic, incredible leadership, and, and it's, it's been a, a real joy to see him around the building. And he's been proactive in the community, obviously, at Suns yeah. games and, you know, and repping the Mercury and everything else and the Pat Tillman shoes. So, yeah, that's been a double thumbs up. What was interesting this week on the Red Sea Report is Bertram Berry was saying he fully expects Vance Joseph to, for the most part, separate Chandler Jones and, and J.J. Watt to try and keep those offensive lines honest so they can't slide protection to one side or the other. What's your expectation? Yeah, Paulie, no, that is a that is a huge statement right there from a guy that knows pass rushing in Bertrand Berry, right? That's yeah. exactly right. I, I could see it, though. I think they're going to work together as well from time to time. It's not always going to be a situation, I think, where you're going to have them on opposite sides of the ball. I think from time to time you'll move them and let them work some games, uh, especially if you're you're trying to uh, pen up some blitzes, Polly, where you want to know this is where they're going to slide their line. Now we'll blitz from the weak side. I think there are times when you definitely will do that, trying to set something else up for somebody else. But to me, I want to go back to J.J. Watt and what J.J. Watt was saying, Polly, on leadership, because the lead got buried for the most part. Notice he was he was talking about how he needs to approach his teammates. And how you have to know your teammates and know how this guy responds and that guy responds. But notice, he was, he was saying all that within the context of talking to your teammates. <laughs> I mean, that is, to me, that is what a true leader, a guy that understands his impact and his role. And you got to ball out first, Paulie. You got to play. You already said that. You nailed it, Paul. You've got to go out and ball out yourself before you can walk up on somebody else. But make no mistake about it. What J.J. Watt was saying is, you need to walk up on your teammates. You just got to know how to do it. And look, Chandler Jones wasn't there today, but I tell you what did get my attention 
was J.J. Watt, first-team defense, next to Jordan Phillips. And if Jordan Phillips is healthy and his measurables can match his production because he is such a large dude uh, and is, can be so problematic. I mean, Wolf, if you have those guys on either end of your defensive front, there's going to be a lot of single blocking for a guy like Jordan Phillips, right? Oh, my goodness, yeah. There's no doubt about it, Paul. This is uh, right now the Arizona Cardinals last year, number five in sacks per attempt. <laughs> number five in sacks per attempt last Minus year. Minus Chandler. Minus Chandler Jones for the vast majority of the season. So when you think of getting Chan back and J.J. Watt and the impact that J.J. Watt is going to have on not only the defensive line room and Jordan Phillips, but the entire defense and, dare I say, the entire team, Man, I'm just really jacked up. Paul, I think it might have a Chris Paul effect on this team. We'll see. Hey, speaking of the Suns, how about minority owner Larry Fitzgerald? You got any news on Fitz? What's the latest, Wolf? Anything on Fitz? No? I got nothing, Bully. How about about some news? How about some news on Zach Ertz? Uh, I can tell you, sources telling yours truly, he's been in the Valley. Oh! But doesn't he work out here, Paul? Well, you could say, yeah, his wife's a, a Mesa native and so forth, but <laughs> but wait a minute. Typically, this time of year, he's not here is my understanding. So oh. um, we'll see exactly because wow. June, June 1st has come and gone, and now the Eagles can save $8.5 million under the cap if they either cut or trade Zach Ertz. Tick-tock. Stay tuned on that one. Special thanks, Bill Davis. Special thanks, Jim Omohundro and Cody Fincher. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Number one, Kyler You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.